0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Michael Levan, and I'm joined today with guest Chris Love, managing partner at LionCube. Chris, how's it going, man?
1: It's going well. Uh, it's a even though the day that you may be listening to this, it might be snowy outside or winter. It's a beautiful fall afternoon for us now in, in Denver. I know, right? I appreciate you having me on, the, on your podcast.
0: Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you do a lot of really cool stuff in the Kubernetes space. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, your firm is is literally based around Kubernetes, right? And we're going to be talking a lot today just about FinOps as a culture movement, as well as a, you know, Kubernetes movement and all that good stuff in general. But yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to have you on the show because it is, uh, you know, obviously a, a big take, right? FinOps around just culture in general, I actually know nothing about it. So definitely excited to jump into it. Um, so with that, you know, I guess the question is, you know, what is FinOps? I mean, is it is it something more culture based? Is it something more technology based? What are, what are your, your, your kind of thoughts around this?
1: Yeah, so the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, it's kind of like, is DevOps tech or is it culture? The answer is yes. So FinOps often gets a bit confused with FinTech. So FinTech of course is financial technologies, kind of, you know, everything from banking to those folks that are competing against banking and, you know, we might throw crypto in there as well. So mm-hmm. it's not FinTech. FinOps is financial operations, which in essence is tracking what you spend. Tracking what you spend on the cloud, tracking What you spend inside of Kubernetes, looking at like you can get as sophisticated as doing chargebacks. So today we're actually talking, sort of talking accounting, scary enough, (laughs) but I definitely want to focus on culture and the technology behind it. And with what's going on in the economy, you know, I think you'll agree with me, market's scared, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big push towards FinOps and it's a big push towards. What am I actually spending in the cloud? The cloud is great, right? Infrastructure is great. When I'm in the cloud, I push a button, I run a Terraform script, I got new stuff. But it, looking at myself personally, I kind of take it to a really basic point. I suck at when I leave a room to switch, turn the lights off, right? I stink at remembering to take the garbage out. And, you know, you can talk to my girlfriend about that one, <laughs> but the simple thing is that we need to take the garbage out. We need to eliminate waste. What, what's, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think a number, like, so we got Amazon, right? Huge company. Mm-hmm. We got AWS. Uh, they don't release the exact numbers. Give me a guess of how many billions of dollars a year the market cap for Amazon Web Services inside of AWS.
0: Ooh, that's that's a uh that's an interesting question. So you're saying market cap is in what everybody is spending exactly a- across the world as a whole, right? Yeah. Um I- I'll say maybe between five and ten.
1: Eighty to a hundred wow. is what most people estimate it as. Crazy. Now, now I'm gonna I'll put you on the spot again. If I hope you don't mind, please. How much? How much do you think is waste?
0: <laughs> More than half, I imagine.
1: It, typically, the number is a little bit smaller. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but typically, we're looking at twenty to thirty percent. Well, wow. according to you, maybe up to forty percent. Right. Yeah. So we and talking, that's billions right there. Yeah, we're talking twenty to thirty billion with a B dollars a year that corporations are wasting. On their cloud spend. bottom line, and that, wow. to me, is insanity. You know you can just look at the news right now, and hundreds of engineers are getting laid off. Mm-hmm. If you're not in a sector and in, have a specialty that's in demand still, you know your job might be at jeopardy. but yet companies still don't have the visibility within their cloud and haven't taken the time. To look at where where are we spending those bucks? And to me, that's you know uh, twenty to thirty million that could go towards wages. It mm-hmm. could go towards increasing the wages of engineers. you know it, it, it's just to me, it's just silly. And I th- really think this comes from a culture over the last three years and possibly four, where the market was so great. We really didn't care about spending money. You know, VCs were dumping monies into firms, firms are just loaning it on their IT budget. Companies, you know, just they're worried about product. And of course, you have to be worried about product, right? But they're not as worried about the bottom line with their cloud expenditures.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is I, the, the thing that hits me the most, I think based on this conversations so far is the ability to create more jobs if we're thinking more about cloud spend mm-hmm. right because you know let's say let's say you take a number a million bucks right which is a, a, a such a small fraction of the billions that we're talking about here and you know let's say you do an average salary of you know what are people making today Two, between 200 220 give or take and, sure. and senior level engineering you know that's five jobs Mm-hmm. right right there that's an that's an entire team uh you know and, and a high velocity team right there and that's that's just a million bucks we're now we're talking in the billions i mean we're talking about thousands of jobs that we can create
1: right and and i would say retain right mm-hmm. we've got companies that are going under right now and it will help the company stay alive and retain the engineering staff that they have and you know heck with heck with Creating new jobs, yeah, there'll be some out of that. But let's save the jobs that we got going on right now sure. and allow people to shift around place to place. And immediately with your numbers, let me let me take a step back and it, it actually caught. If you got an employee that's that at two hundred and twenty, it's probably going to cost you about two sixty, two eighty to keep them around.
0: Yeah, with we got taxes and all that, yeah, yeah. FICA yeah.
1: and tax and everything, right? But to your point, we're still calling. Talking major head headcount, mm-hmm. and it's it's really visibility. And if we can switch over to Kubernetes, and you know, for your listeners that aren't familiar with Kubernetes, Kubernetes is a container orchestration platform that takes a group of nodes, puts them together like a cluster, basically an organism. With Docker and other container technologies, you're able to use API server just launch a container on it, right? We don't even know what, what where the container is running at. It could be running on any of your 10 nodes or any of your 4,000 nodes. So with that in mind, Kubernetes comes out of the gate with, with a promise of cost savings. Instead of having individual EC2 instances or vir- other virtual machines or GCP instances or bare metal machines, servers, you, you, you have now density of applications running on those. So you can have 120 pods right now, I think is the limitation. Uh, so that's a bunch of applications running. Most of the time we don't want to get near that, but you're able to reduce your overall server count just by transitioning to Kubernetes. Properly, let me, right. let me let me let <laughs> me add that caveat. And you've made some great tweets about the non-triviality of Kubernetes. Yes, uh, it, it, it's still hard. It ain't easy yet. Uh, Tim Hawken, probably three years ago, dropped a quote that we needed to make storage easy inside of Kubernetes. And I think storage is getting. Easy now because the cloud providers and Mm -hmm. the hosting services have actually gotten up to the point where it's not just a a nightmare at times of storage, but the rest of Kubernetes is still you know a big big deal. We're as you mentioned the consulting company we consult in Kubernetes. We wouldn't be around if it was trivial to use, and we'll get to that point. You know, give it five years or so. But so let's step back now. So. Just moving to Kubernetes is supposed to save you 20%, say. Well, I would state that approximately 80% is probably a good number. 80% of users have not tuned their Kubernetes cluster properly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that properly, surprisingly, numbers again are 20 to 30%. I'm writing a blog post uh with the CEO of KubeCost, and he wanted to put in the blog post 50%. Sorry, Web, I'll I'll drop you under the bus. And I'm like, Web, people aren't <laughs> gonna believe that. I know you're right, but but you know, you go to a, a CFO and say, Yeah, we can t- save you 50% on your Kubernetes cluster, they're gonna think you're like like they're gonna not believe you. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so and it's, it, again, it's non-trivial to do this work. You need the understanding, but Kubernetes is built to do it. Hmm. Kubernetes and putting a system like Prometheus in, there's open source products like opencost.io that are engines that you can just drop in. You can get the numbers off. You can look and start profiling your applications. And really, you can save a bunch of money using Kubernetes. So my question, you know, in, in life is why the heck isn't everybody doing this? Mm-hmm. And I, I took a step back and I went, well, why the heck is ev- isn't everybody doing CICD correctly? Right. Why isn't everybody, it's 2022, right? Why aren't, why don't all companies have it? You push a button or you make a commit, right? Mm-hmm. You, the PR goes through and it goes through a pipeline and it is installed. It, you have full continuous delivery, full continuous integration. Why aren't companies doing that? Tools have been out there. Like, like how long have we been able to do that? Jenkins, I don't know how long you've been, you know, in this industry. I've been in this industry way too long. But like, <laughs> how long have we so. had that around, right? <laughs> right. It's, you know, it's it's been forever. You could do it with bash scripts back in the day if you really wanted to.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I remember before even Kubernetes being a thing, right? Before CI CD even being a thing. I mean, we had orchestration in different ways, shapes, or forms. We could create our own, or we could use LXD, right? Linux containers yeah. for everybody that I was listening, in. and and. Didn't have the pleasure of managing C groups and namespaces directly. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's the reality that, you know, a lot of these things have been around for a very long time. And I think that we could chalk it up to cost, right? Well, we could chalk it up to two things. We could chalk it up to... Um, not enough engineers on staff to be able to properly Mm -hmm. manage these things. Because, you know, I don't know about you, Chris, but I've been in organizations where, you know, we wanted to move so fast, but the problem with moving fast because there weren't enough people is that there's obviously a massive amount of duct tape all over the place, right? And we could probably save a a lot of time managing that duct tape if we had more people. Uh, And if we had more people to be able to manage certain pieces of teams, um, you know, we could get those people or retain those people with better cost savings. And the way that we can do that is, of course, with implementing some type of FinOps solution. W- what do you think?
1: I agree. More people is definitely one thing that I think we're consistently unresourced
0: mm-hmm.
1: as as a as a sector in work, right? as As a... You know, what do you call it? I don't want to call it a lifestyle, but um, for technology, we are consistently understaffed. Yes. Mm-hmm. The flip side though, is the reason that we're consistently understaffed and or don't have cost savings as a priority to me comes down to leadership and culture. Mm-hmm. It comes down to the fact that as an organization, you are the organization is focusing on product on sales which by the way sales most important thing out there in my opinion and product but you're not taking not the culture doesn't incentivize and also enforce and encourage cost savings amazon let's flip back to amazon they have a tenant of frugality so as a company Amazon, you know, the mission statements and all that stuff. They've got so many. And one of them is actually, we're going to be a very frugal organization. And admittedly, it's, you know, many people have opinions about Amazon. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) But they know how to save money. And they need know how to squeeze every electron out of what they're doing. They literally run hardware beyond its heat capacity limits to bleed the most out of those electrons. And they work with the manufacturers where, you know, they're running it. And one of the big things with running hardware is cooling Mm -hmm. again, cost savings. So what I'm saying is that in order for us to get FinOps going, a large part of it is looking at your culture as well as getting, of course, the tooling, the engineers, and the education in place, it's doable. It really is. And with Kubernetes, you know with a culture shift, you want to if you're going to spearhead any culture shift, you want quick wins. You want to be able to show, hey, this actually works. And there's two types of ways that typically is described within business school that culture change works. Now, I apologize, engineers. Yes, we're going to get into business and sales now because guess what? <laughs> uh, whether you believe it or not, you're also in business and sales. Every time you go to an interview, you're selling yourself. Yep. So there's typically two different types of the way that organizations go through a culture change. Typically, it's top down or bottom up. Top down. So, top down is from your CTO, from your CIO, from your CEO, from the CFO. This is the culture shift that we're going to go through. These are the principles that we're going to now live by. This is the, the plan we're going to take. Within technical organizations, interestingly enough, bottom up often works better from my mind. Engineers are artists and A little bit of uh, creative people that play with ones and zeros, which is very interesting to me. I could talk about that all day, um, beside as a topic itself. So, as an engineer, we can say, "Hey, let's use this tool." Hey, I actually don't know what our cloud spend is. I don't have access to this. You know, I'm not going to go share this information, but I would like to know what how much money we're spending on our bill. How about we look at breaking this apart? And you can talk about those numbers and say, hey, look, Kubernetes is made to save costs. We move to it, or we move to it because it provides HA and scaling. But I don't think we're really optimizing Kubernetes properly. And by going and starting those conversations, you can Start being a champion for change. It's hard. I will just lay it out there. You're talking about moving a ship. Right. But at times it takes just a little rudder, but it may, you know, I don't know how long it takes an aircraft carrier to turn, but it's, I think, miles. (laughs) 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 And often it may not turn the direction you expect, and you may have to try another way. And often the bosses will say, no, it's not a priority. And you'll have to accept that until the fire happens. And then you're ready to put out the fire, which is, oh, shit, our bill's too much. Excuse my language. (laughs) So again, it goes back to shifting. It goes back to listening. It goes back to finding out what the drivers are with either your bosses or with the shareholders. You know, from a top down level, I would say that often our technical mandate is aligned to product delivery and keeping the lights on. Got to keep our customers happy, got to keep our salespeople happy because of the product we have, and we have to innovate and we also have to keep the lights on. Now, our website can't go down. But I would say, If you want to save money, we've got to add incentivization, carrot and the stick kind of idea, and tooling and education to allow for cost savings to occur. And that's going to take a a group of people or a single person to say, hey, we've got to change. We've got to start this. This is going to be a hard process. We understand that. We're going to support everybody through this. We are going to incentivize people through this. Napoleon Bonaparte said something interesting. And I'm going to quote Napoleon, believe it or not. He said that people will die for medals. Now, gamify this, right? Like, how, how cool is it that we have GitHub badges? You know, the blue, the blue check mark on Twitter that is, you know, their latest program that they're bringing out. Make it a game that, hey, this is the percentage of cost savings that you guys are reduced. You guys are getting the, the, the reward of the month that you've reduced cost savings the most or the reward of the quarter that you've reduced cost savings the month. Why aren't we giving away awards for saving costs? Mm-hmm. And eventually that it, it starts off at a real big chunk and eventually it's going to get down smaller and smaller and smaller. And and you'll have little blips. You'll be able to see little blips, but we want to get back to that. We really want to get back to you know uh, we as a industry. We've gone through you know ebbs and flows, and now I think we're at the point of the way the ocean is going that we really need to take a step back and say, hey, we need to shift culture. That we need to start working with FinOps as well as Kubernetes is just a great entry point. It's easy. Uh, you know, it's built for, for FinOps and we can we can chat a bit more about that here if you'd like, if that's a good transition for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So there's one question that I want to ask before we wrap up or before we start wrapping up and then let's get to that point. But the one question that I have for you. So it, I think when the cloud started coming out, right, there was this question mm-hmm. or this statement of this thing isn't going to save us money and that's been apparent right and this is kind of what we're talking about um but the whole idea was yeah maybe you're going to spend a little bit more but a lot of the headaches are going to be abstracted away from you and all that stuff so with that being said thinking about finops and i know this is a uh the this is a uh, despite popular belief type of thing but would you say that having things on prem is a you know in today's world, maybe like a version of FinOps or something that Mm -hmm. FinOps can ultimately help with because the cloud is just so expensive?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can look at what workloads you want to move back on-prem. One of the challenges with on-premises right now is because of the uh, wonderful virus that we went through, the chip manufacturers are having a real hard time delivering computers now. So everything's kind of backed up a bunch. Mm-hmm. and really that was the one of the big things is that going to the cloud was capex to opex shifting right we're no longer d- having to worry about depreciating hardware as well as just push button new comp- server ug right that's mm-hmm. that's the thing scaling's hard you're going to scale on a company's set of computers company's network you know uh, google google's network Is probably one of the best in the world. So now you're running your system on top of Google's network, but they're going to charge you for it. And it's expensive, but there's, there's trade-offs, right? There's always trade-offs. Yeah. Totally moving certain specific workloads back into the data center, but you, but let the best thing is let's measure those workloads. Okay. This is static, right? We've looked at it for, 2 months this hasn't moved the needle so it would be easy to put it up you know and that's part of the problem promise of hybrid cloud but i'm not saying to full hybrid cloud because that's you know unless you're a large company that's a lot to take on and your applications may or may not support that mm-hmm. but let's see if we can move back all this machine learning back onto you know back onto on prem but what about just shutting off the Kubernetes cluster when you're not doing the machine learning? What about doing, like, do you use your development cluster on Saturday? Mm -hmm. How many development clusters are on on Saturday? And Kubernetes is, if you can't reduce your cluster to zero nodes and then re-increase your cluster to 15 nodes and everything just works, you got an HA problem. You not only got a, <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. you literally have a high availability problem. So you should be able to take down your dev or test clusters to zero over the weekends. And that's, you know, that's, that's two out of seventh of your bill. Right. You know, that's, that's two days you ain't paying for. And some companies, dev clusters, they're massive.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And then you have different accounts, and you know this team Mm. may have this account, this team may have that account. Then there's dev clusters running throughout. Because yeah, it's uh, I I think the 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 funny and interesting thing about the cloud is it's real easy to create stuff, (laughs) but it's it's not so easy to manage it. You know, especially from a cost perspective, from an engineering perspective, from you know what. And here's the other thing too. I gotta say. I have been in situations and I have seen circumstances where engineers would be like, yeah, let's write some code. Let's write some repeatability around shutting these things down over the weekend, um, getting these things going, all that stuff, like getting a system in place. But... A lot of engineers hear the 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 statement back of Ah, yeah, you know that would be really cool and all, but we got this real important thing over here that we got to do, so let's get to it. And then a month later, when the cloud bills comes in, everybody's freaking out. So it's it's a chicken and egg scenario, right? Because uh-huh. you know, as you said, if if proper leadership and management isn't in place and proper culture isn't in place to the time to do these important things it's never going to happen right we could we could throw as you know i could i could write terraform code and and go code right now to you know sell to people to say hey just run this code and you know you're going to save a bunch of money but if the culture and the environment isn't there to do it it's you know obviously going to be a huge problem so chris with that i'd love to uh start wrapping up here if if possible and with that i would love it if you could plug anything and everything about yourself here's your time Here's
1: my time to, <laughs> to put my salesman hat
0: on. <laughs> I know, right?
1: So LineCube has been around since 1999. We've been around for a long time doing different forms of consulting, different names, same, same folks. And we specialize in helping companies, as I've been touting here, with FinOps, both Cloud FinOps and Kubernetes FinOps. We work a lot in Kubernetes. We also do just general DevOps work. You know, we've dropped in CICD, other DevOps needs. And that's that's in a nutshell how we help out. We do, you know, from you need a an engineer to hang around for a while to, okay, you got this whole project and you need us to run. Uh, we're a GCP partner as well. And we 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 have strategy. A report that we can come in, get done for you. It's real painless. Not taking any software, we're not putting any software on your on your cluster. And we can just run some numbers and show you, hey, here's what what you can get out of it. And then there's a whole laundry list of stuff that we give you that you folks can that the company can do. And if you don't have the staffing to help out with that, then we can we can work with you as well. I am a published author. Manning was kind enough to spend a long time with Jay Vios and I uh, getting our first book out, getting your first book out is, is a real challenge. The book is called core Kubernetes and it's available on the Manning website. You can hit me up on Twitter if you want, if you want a discount code for it, I'm I'm happy to give those out. And you know, that's it. I'm, I enjoy speaking. So if anybody wants me to, to, you know, come on their podcast or help them out with a conference or whatever, I'm happy to swing by and, and talk about many different things, uh, security and FinOps and just Kubernetes in general are all near and dear to my heart. Heck, I took a long time to, to write a book about it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, core Kubernetes real quick is kind of the next layer in your learning. You know, we, we there's lots of good books out there that are like the 100 to 200 level books. You know, If we do, do an analogy with, with university, they're your freshman to sophomore level classes with Kubernetes. So we don't talk about, here's how to write a deployment. We're talking about internals. Uh, we actually go through source code with the scheduler. We're talking about really good security ideas, Jay. He's he's contributor to Kubernetes directly. Unfortunately, nowadays I don't have much time to contribute directly to the source base. But he even has a lab where you're building a container, right? You understand how the tarball of tarballs works now. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really uh, you know if I take my salesman hat off, on that's that's how we help people out, and that's how I've helped out the community and try to give back because really a book is about giving back to the community. It's not about making money. Trust me. There you go. So
0: (laughs) awesome, Chris. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. And to everybody listening, thank you so much. And I hope that you enjoyed the episode.
1: Thank you, Michael. And again, really appreciate your time and inviting me on.